If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn with me to Mark chapter 13. As we consider the topic, are you ready for Christmas? Mark chapter 13, and we'll begin to read there at verse 24, and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus is speaking here. He's talking about the end times. And he says, but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. There's no denying that we're in the Christmas season. Homes and yards are decorated in town as is our main drag. And many of us went through the Bethlehem Live presentation at the Alliance Church the past three days. Frankly, I was glad to see the Halloween decorations go away and to see the Christmas things come out. Uh, this past week was American Thanksgiving, and you may have watched some of the hoopla that was associated with that in terms of our uh, southern neighbors, but uh, it's the start of their holiday season. Uh, I understand from what I heard earlier this week that in the Philippines, the, the Christmas preparations start in September. Uh, wow, that's a long time. And in a way, I dread this season of darkness, but there's hope on the horizon. I, you know, uh, this week, I don't know if, if you noticed it, but in, in our mailbox, there was a Sears catalog with the word spring on it. Uh, all right, I can handle that. But first comes Christmas and the season of preparing. And that season brings many moods. It triggers hopes. It immerses us in memories. And sometimes it floods us with seven sentimentality. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a Latin word, and it means coming or arrival. It's a season that focuses, of church life rather, that focuses not just on the preparation for Christmas, 
but also on the promised return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think uh, going through the Advent season helps us prepare our hearts for the Lord's arrival, which ultimately is very imminent. And I think Mark, although I'm not going to refer to the specific details of what is written in Mark there, Mark helps us and reminds us that, that there is a hope, that you and I have a hope that lies at the root of all our frenzied activity. Last Sunday was, was our dedication for the Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes, and they went out of here, and, uh, and other churches did similar things as well, and we trust that those things will be a great blessing to people. But we're preparing uh, for Christmas, but also ultimately for the Lord's arrival. Mark, the writer of this gospel, lived in a time of violent and brutal circumstances. And I don't know how many of you went through the Bethlehem Live thing the last three days, but as I did, I was reminded of some of those circumstances. The Roman soldiers that I encountered last night, for the most part, were fairly gentle and kind. But I don't think they were that way in real life. And last night as I went on the tour, I, I engaged in a bit of acrimony with the tax collector. I called him a traitor. I said, what are you as a Jew who doing working for the Romans? And he got snarly with me. And, and rightfully so. And there was a Roman soldier there. And afterwards, it was, it was a bit of good-natured back and forth. But, I, you know, afterwards, as I went through that, or even as we were going through that, I thought, you know, I wonder if I would have been able to mouth off like that in, in the real, like if I would have been there for real with a Roman soldier there with, with a sword, you know, and he could have just gone, and, and off would be my head. Would I really have been that casual and that accusatory in my conversation with this man who was considered to be a traitor by others, which uh, the Apostle Matthew was, by the way. And Mark lived in a time of violent and brutal circumstances. And sometimes you and I, when we're reading scriptures, need to, to kind of put our minds back and Bethlehem Live certainly helped us to do that, to put our minds back in that time. You know, we read the scripture from our perspective here of where we're sitting here warm and comfortable with the lights on and there are no soldiers with guns and weapons around us and we don't live in terror and we're not under this brutal Roman heel or anything like that. And you wonder how Jesus' words would have resonated with the people to whom he was speaking at the time. Mark recalled those words and wrote them down for us later. But you wonder, you know, were people looking for a deliverance? Were they looking for something better? And even as the people did in Mark's day, they were looking for something better. We still today live by the promise of a new age. And yes, we suffer the threats of war. We suffer economic dislocation and and, and unequal things. We suffer the, the grief of dreams gone wrong. There are people here whose, whose dreams have been demolished. There are people whose relationships have gone sour. Love has gone down the drain, but we still live by the confidence of a new world. 
a new community that is rooted and grounding in healing and reconciliation and peace. And as I was praying this morning, I was praying for my exhausted daughter, and I forgot to pray for her in our prayer time, and we'll certainly do that. But with her six-year-old child trying to keep everything together, lack of sleep for her and, and a sick girl, and I'm saying, Lord, I am so ready. I am so ready for you to come back and straighten all this out. Lord, when I look at the circumstances in which some of you are going through the hurt and the heartache and, 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 and the physical circumstances that I know that some of you have, said, Lord, I am so ready for you to come back, for you to heal relationships, for you to heal bodies, for you to heal this, this world. We have people killing each other. You look at what's going on in, in the Middle East in terms of the unrest there and this whole Occupy movement and, and all this other turmoil that's going on, and it's no wonder that people don't really get enthusiastic about Christmas a whole lot anymore because there's a great deal of cynicism in this world. I am so ready, Lord. I am so ready for you to come and fix this sad world in which we live. I am so ready to never do anything dumb again. I am so ready to never hurt anyone else again. I am so ready to never be hurt by anybody ever again. I am so ready to be done with making decisions and having them turn out wrong. But Christmas and Advent gives us a little taste or maybe a whiff of that new world that is to come. And I wonder, do you believe that? Do you and I trust the promise of God that the Bethlehem babe brings to us? Some of us probably find that hard. And this time of year seems to amplify the difference that exists between the way we run the world and the way that God wants to run it and wants to see it run. And so we develop this cynicism, you know, like peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Yeah, right, you know, I've got anything but that in my life today. And so we become cynical about it and we say, well, I'm not really sure whether I want to get involved in this or not. We see the faces of the poor and hungry. We see the tragedy of dissolving families. We see the isolated and lonely elderly. We see the threats to our livelihood and the future from a precarious economy. We see the terrible divisions and hatreds fueled by nationalism and greed and religion. We see armies slaughtering each other. We see people desperately trying to find freedom in the oppression of the Middle East. And somehow the light of the Advent and Christmas world seems to make this theme seem a little bit grotesque. But the reality is that you and I are gathered here this morning not as a community of cynics. You and I are gathered not as a gang of people who are despairing or as a company of people who are forlorn about the future, but we are gathered here because Christmas and Advent gives us hope. And if it wouldn't give us hope, we wouldn't be here. No matter what happens in our lives, we know that Christmas comes 
And if Christmas came once, then our Lord will surely come again. Our hope is in the deeper realities of joy and peace and the promises of scriptures. And so Mark insists in the scripture and Jesus insists that we get ready. You and I need to be prepared. Jesus said what I say to you, and he was talking to his disciples and the people around him. Jesus said what I say to you, I say to everyone, and the word is watch. Why? Because Christ is coming. You don't know when, but we do know it's going to be a surprise. You've probably all been to the movies where you know something scary is going to happen, right? And you have this buildup, and it's either silent or the music is going, woo, 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 woo. And you know something's going to jump out and scare you, right? And you got a hold of the arms of your chair, and I'm not going to get scared, and pow! It did surprise me. And somehow I think the coming of the Lord is going to be like that. We think we're going to be ready, but he's still going to surprise us. How do we prepare? Probably many different ways, but one of the ways that you and I can prepare is by living what we know now. Life is going to be like in the future. Let me give you an example. Way back in ancient history, when Kathy and I lived in Three Hills, Alberta, our four-year-old daughter uh, did not get along with one of the neighbor's kids. Now, I was a Bible school student, and he was a missionary kid. These four-year-olds did not like each other. And so there was war in our, little, in our little neighborhood on the outskirts of Three Hills, Alberta. But this little guy, so I went to this little guy's dad, and I said, like, you know, like, we're fathers. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're Christians. We should know how to fix this thing. And so one of the things he said to his, uh, and, and so he said, okay, I'll talk to my son. And I said, okay, I'll talk to my daughter. <coughs> and so my daughter came home one day, and, and, and Kathy, maybe you can correct me on the details of the story, but I think she informed us that they had made up or something, wasn't it? They had decided to bury the hatchet. And, and so we asked her, like, what made the difference? Well, the little guy came to our daughter and said, my dad says that when we get to heaven, we're going to have to get along anyway, so we may as well start now. <laughs> you know, and, and, and one of the ways that you and I can fulfill uh, and, and, and get ready to, uh, to, to live in the promises of, of the coming kingdom is to do what we know now to be the right thing to do because when we get to heaven, whether I like you or not, or whether I like your decisions or not, we're going to have to get along anyway. That'll be different because you'll be perfect then and so will I. Yeah, right. But, you know, we can work on those kinds of things. Now we can do that kind of stuff. And that new world is going to come. Why? Because Jesus says it will. So what do we do? Well, there's a sense in which we need to change uh, our, our thinking. And maybe we need to change our thinking in regard to the world that's around us. And, and, and we're already doing that to some extent. But maybe we can do better. 
Because, you see, is not the God, and, and, and we recognize that God is transcendent, you know, that he is high above everything, that God is almighty, that God sits above the world and above the universe, that he is holy, that he is worthy of all our worship. Yes, we recognize that, that he is the all-powerful one, but he is also the one who is full of mercy and compassion. And should not Advent, should not the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ move us to care about those whom God cares about? Should you and I not care about the people in this community who are not inside the walls of this building to this morning? Should you and I not care about the poor? Should you and I not care about the weak, the naked, the downtrodden, and the despised? You see, God takes their side, not because they are good, but because God is that kind of God, and he cares about them as he cares about you and me. And I think Advent needs to move us to look beyond <clears throat> excuse me, the security and the smugness and the comfort of our own lives and to look at the lives of other people and then to move us to compassion and action. It's like looking through the windows of our home at the outside and doing something about it. Kathy and I had relatives who were missionaries in Haiti for a while, and they said they didn't often go out to eat because when they sat in Kentucky Fried Chicken in Haiti and ate a meal, there were people standing right outside the window with their hands out like this. Now, I know we can't feed all the world's poor, but shouldn't our wealth move us to the same compassion as what God has? And we've done that in a sense. But I think maybe we need to look at some of our actions around Christmas as well too. And we need to maybe give and receive the surprises of love. Jesus tells us to get ready for a surprise here. He says, I'm going to surprise you. But he said, keep watch. But maybe we need to do something differently this year. Here's some practical things that you can do. You know that old song on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. What kind of a gift is that? You know, that song is seven year, 700 years old, and we still sing about it. I mean, what a... No, I shouldn't say the stu, that word. What kind of a dumb gift is that? But on the other hand, how many songs have you heard about a floor mop from home hardware? Or an electric razor from Radio Shack or, or Future Shop or something like that? See, we don't write songs about stuff like that. Maybe this year we can do something different. People don't sing songs about socks. But they sing songs about a partridge in a pear tree. Maybe we can do something different. And we've done that here. In the past year or two, we've purchased, we as a church have bought rabbits and goats. Did you know that? We took up offerings. We bought rabbits and goats, and, and we gave them away to people overseas. You know what Kathy and I are doing this year for Christmas? We're buying a sewing machine. We're buying a sewing machine that's going to go to some family who can use it to earn a living. Like, isn't that kind of a cool thing? Can't we do stuff like that? You know, rather than giving somebody stuff they don't really need. We've bought as a church, we've bought toilets in Vietnam. 
and maybe it's time to buy a well or a pump, or maybe it's time to serve at our community Christmas dinner here in Nipawin. Maybe it's time to step outside of our comfort zone and do something somewhere. You see, maybe it's time that you and I start listening to God's call at Christmas time. When you went through the Bethlehem Live presentation last night, it started out with a scene of, of the angel announcing to Mary that she was going to bear a child. And her response was, may it be according to your word. I am your servant, she said. When God called Moses, he said, here I am. When God called Samuel, Samuel said, your servant is listening. When God called Paul, he said, what shall I do, Lord? And maybe when God calls your name this Advent season, you can say, Lord, what is it that you would have me do this Christmas to do something a little bit different from what I've done before? Advent is the arrival of something important or that is awaited. And so you need to ask yourself, you and I need to ask ourselves the question, what can I do? And why not ask God? Why not say, Lord, how would you have me prepare this year? What can I do in my life to prepare not only for Christmas, but to prepare for the arrival of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Lord, call my name. And tell me what I should do. We're going to sing a couple of verses, the first, Jenny, and the third verses of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, Emmanuel is one of the names of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so it's a prayer that he will come, not only as he came, but he will come back to rule and to establish his kingdom. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. We're dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.